So this is my last sermon before I leave for sabbatical. I'll return in October, and then we're just going to pick up in Colossians where we leave off today. And I'm praying that as I go away, I get refreshed. That's the point of the sabbatical. So please pray that I get refreshed. Um, But while I'm gone, I'm actually praying not only that I get refreshed, I'm praying that revival actually breaks out here at Grace. I mean, why not? Wouldn't that be cool? The pastor goes away and then revival breaks out. May it be, Lord. So I'm planning on visiting my family in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana. I'm going to spend a lot of time with my parents. You know, my dad has cancer, so I'm looking forward to spending at least a month with them, maybe longer. At some point, I'll be back here in Santa Maria. So if you see me around town, you can say hello. You don't have to avoid me. On my last sabbatical, uh, someone told me they saw me and wanted to say hi but didn't want to bother me. You can say hi, okay? But if your Wi-Fi goes out at 10 p.m., please don't call me. Call Pastor Comcast. He can help you. I won't be answering emails or anything like that. It will be radio silence, if you will, so that I can get refreshed and renewed. But if you see me at Starbucks, please say hello. Okay, let's look at God's word because it's what we all need more than anything at this very moment in our lives. Colossians chapter 3. And what we'll see today is this. To be kind, rewind. Now, some of you have heard that phrase before, be kind, rewind. And some of you rascals have disobeyed those words, be kind, rewind. And you know who you are. Or maybe you can't remember. Let me explain to anyone under 40-ish. That phrase, be kind, rewind, uh, was a phrase that was common in the 80s to the early 2000s, long before DVDs, long before streaming services like Hulu or Paramount Plus. There was this thing called a VHS tape, a video home system. And you would put this VHS tape into a VCR, a video cassette recorder, and you would be able to watch a movie in the comfort of your own home. Hence, video home system, VHS. And many of the stores, Blockbuster, for instance, you may have heard of, where you would rent a VHS tape, they would put these stickers on the tape to remind you to rewind the movie before you returned it. That was the kind thing to do. That was the Christian thing to do. You would rewind the movie so that the next person who rented the movie could hit play on their VCR and start watching the movie and not have to wait two to three minutes for the tape to be rewound to the beginning. Now, I am so sorry that some of you did not get to live to, through this extraordinary time in history. You have no idea how wonderful it was to go to Blockbuster on a Friday night and rent a movie. And you have no idea how awful it was to look for the movie that you wanted to watch and find out that they'd all been rented out. It's as if the Apostle Paul knew about this Friday night blockbuster joy and sadness gamble because he said in 2 Corinthians 6.10, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That was Friday night at Blockbuster. Sorrow or joy. It all depended on if you got the movie you wanted. 
And that was also what it was like when you got home to watch the movie. Was the previous renter of the movie kind and did they rewind or was that task left to you? Sorrow or joy? And that's why stores added stickers to VHS tapes that said, be kind, rewind. Well, it's actually what Paul is encouraging the Colossians to do, to be kind. Christians should be marked by our kindness. Christians should be known as kind people. It's the Christian thing to do, to be kind. But if you're ever going to be a kind person, if you're ever going to put on kindness, as Paul will tell us in our passage today, then you have to rewind all the way back to the cross, especially if you want to be kind to someone who has significantly hurt you. You can't be kind to them in your own strength. You need to rewind the tape past your hurt, rewind the tape past the wrong, rewind the tape past the situation, rewind the tape past the sin, and rewind all the way until you get to Calvary and then see Christ crucified for you, Christ crucified for your sin. And that will empower you to be kind. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 12 and hear the word of the Lord. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So last week we looked at compassionate hearts, about putting on don't give people what they deserve hearts. Today we're just going to talk about kindness. So this is more of a topical sermon Paul has told the Colossian church to put off that old man, put off Adam, put to death anger, impurity, evil desires, etc. And now he is calling on them to put on these Christian virtues that he lists here. And as we saw last week, these virtues are just Jesus himself. Paul is calling on the Colossians to put on Jesus, to wear Jesus, if you will. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That's just Jesus. Put on Jesus in your relationships. And are not these qualities listed here what our world desperately needs today? There's so much division and anger and rage and meanness and hatred. I mean, think about this. God is asking us to put on kindness in the culture that we live in right now. Kindness. Wow, I mean, is that a lost virtue or what? Who is kind today? Can you think of a kind person? Where did all the kindness go? When did we all get so mean? Well, Paul is saying, hey, y'all, just be kind. In all your relationships, just be kind to one another. After all, isn't this how God is with us? He's kind to us. God is actually kind to everyone, to every person he has ever made. God is kind even to rotten people. He's even kind to people who don't rewind their VHS tapes. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 6? But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Wow. Can you believe it says that? 
Jesus is kind to ungrateful people. Jesus is kind to evil people. Did you have that on your bingo card for 2023? Did you know that about Jesus? He's actually the kindest person in the universe. It's crazy. In fact, Jesus' yoke is kindness. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 11. It was our call to worship last week. Let me read it to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That word translated easy is the word for kindness in our passage today. This is what Paul tells the Colossians to put on. It's the same word used in Ephesians 4.32 where Paul says, Be kind to one another. My yoke is kind, Jesus says. I love that. And for the life of me, I don't know why all the translations go with my yoke is easy. I think all but two do that. The NASB, New American Standard, translates it this way. My yoke is comfortable. Okay, but still, what about kindness? Does it have a ring to it? My yoke is kindness? Why not that? No translation that I know of uses kindness to describe the yoke of Jesus But it's actually a fitting translation because this is God's perpetual disposition towards us in Christ. It's kindness. And that's not how many preachers today picture Jesus or paint him in their preaching. But that's what he says in Matthew 11. That comes from the the lips of Jesus himself. And yet, there are many, many, many preachers who love to paint this picture of God as being uptight, cranky, always angry, always a frown on his face, always mad. In fact, for many of them, anger is God's key attribute. Instead of 1 John saying God is love, they paint a picture of God is anger. Like, at his core, this is all he is, is angry. Now, is God angry with sin? Yes, It's an expression. God's anger is an expression in real time of his justice. Is he just? Yes. His justice finds expression through his anger in real time at sin. But God, in his essence, is love. Who wants an angry father in heaven? Who wants a heavenly father who's just mad all the time? Not me. I want kindness. I need kindness from God. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Because I'm a mess. I need God's kindness. So no thank you, famous preacher, who always paints God in this light. You can either go with what some famous preacher says. I'm going with Jesus on this one. He says, my yoke is kindness. I am kind to the ungrateful. I am kind to the evil. That's not to say that there's a future eternal judgment. There is for those who don't trust in Christ. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm going to go with Jesus on this one. Your Father in heaven, his perpetual disposition to you, Christian, is kindness 24-7, all the time. In fact, this is the very same word, For kindness used in Romans 2, 4, where Paul says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? What leads us to repent? 
It's God's kindness. What leads us to forsake sin? To forsake our, our darling sins, our precious idols. It's his kindness. What leads us to forsake the things that have captured our hearts that are not Jesus? Is it not his kindness? It's not his law. It's not his warnings. It's not his threats. It's not a wagging finger. It's not a shame on you. What makes us in our hearts want to forsake sin is his kindness which he has showed to us in his son Jesus. His kindness, not his wrath, changes our hearts. Jack Miller said, gentleness wakes up people trapped in the snares of the devil. God's kindness, his gentleness to us when we absolutely deserve his justice, that's what wakes us up when we've been ensnared by the devil. And we all have been at several times in our lives. And it's his kindness that pulls us back. Let me ask you, are you ensnared by the devil today? Has your heart drifted from Jesus? Are you in bondage, in chains to sin and shame, guilt, fear? Listen, Jesus loves you. He is kind to you. Even though you are stiff-arming him right now, he's kind toward you. He's gentle with you, and he's willing to restore you right now. You just come home. Forsake that sin. It's a lie. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. So come home, and he will welcome you with open arms. He will hug and kiss your neck. He will throw a party for you. He's like that, you know. Gentle, kind. How could he be otherwise? He can't. And so receive his love today. And because Jesus is like this, then the logical conclusion is that kindness is what characterizes heaven, what characterizes eternity. So the new heavens and new earth will be a place where kindness is in the air. Well, what does Paul say in Ephesians 2? Let me read it to you. Get this. This is so beautiful. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that, here's why you were saved, Christian, so that, In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's the same word there, in kindness, that's used in Colossians 3, Matthew 11, Romans 2. So understand this. Eternity will be God showing us the immeasurable riches of his grace. All day, all night. 24-7, nonstop, just grace, grace, grace. What's on the agenda every moment for all eternity? Just God lavishing us with his favor, an avalanche of immeasurable grace. You cannot measure it. There's no way to measure it. There's no way to quantify it. But it's not just his grace. Paul says it's his grace in kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. 
commenting on this verse, Dane Ortland says this. What does that mean for those in Christ? It means that one day God is going to walk us through Narnia and we will stand there paralyzed with joy, wonder, astonishment, and relief. It means that as we stand there, we will never be scolded for the sins of this life, never looked at askance, and never told, enjoy this, but remember, you don't deserve it. The very point of heaven and eternity is to enjoy his grace in kindness. And if the point of heaven is to show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness, then we are safe. Because the one thing we fear will keep us out, our sin, can only heighten the spectacle of God's grace and kindness. It means that our fallenness now is not an obstacle to enjoying heaven. It is the key ingredient to enjoying heaven. If his grace and kindness is immeasurable, then our failures can never outstrip his grace. Our moments of feeling utterly overwhelmed by life are where God's heart lives. Our most haunted pockets of failure and regret are where his heart is drawn most unswervingly. If his grace and kindness is immeasurable riches, as opposed to measurable middle-class grace, then our sins can never exhaust his heart. On the contrary, the more weakness and failure, the more his heart goes out to his own. Ephesians 2.7 doesn't just say the immeasurable riches of his grace, but the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness. The Greek word for kindness means a desire to do what is in your power to prevent discomfort in another. That quote comes from a book by Dane Ortland, which I've suggested to you many times. I recommend you get it. It's called Gentle and Lowly. If you want to understand the gentle, tender, and kind heart of Jesus, read this book. If you grew up in the church and all you heard was that Jesus was mad all the time, and you could never be good enough, and you better watch your step, you need to get this book and read it. It's full of scripture, but it will paint a picture of the real Jesus. And so the yoke of Jesus is kindness, which is a desire to prevent discomfort. Now, of course, that does not mean that we will not suffer discomfort in our lives, because the Bible tells us we will. We will suffer. We live in a fallen, broken world. Things happen that we don't want that are out of our control, that bring discomfort into our lives. So because we live in a fallen world, we can and should expect to experience discomfort. But when it comes to our standing with God, when it comes to our relationship with God, as messy sinners who sin all the time, Jesus does not want our hearts to be discomforted. He wants to comfort our hearts. He wants to assure our hearts. That's, that's the whole goal of preaching, is to assure and to comfort the hearts of believers. Richard Sibbs, one of the, the Puritans, um, they called him the sweet dropper because he preached sermons that were so full of grace, so full of God's kindness that people would hear them and flock back to Jesus and say, he loves me, I want to return to my first love. They were so full of grace, dripping with the kindness of Jesus, that hard-hearted people wouldn't go here because they said, if I listen to Sibs preach, I'm going to repent of my sin and come back home. That's how rich his sermons were. He said, and I don't have a quote for this, I'm just from memory here. Uh, He said that pastors woo for Christ. 
and, and kind of lay out all the lovely riches of Christ himself. That's the job of a pastor. That's the job of a servant is to woo people back to their Savior. So they feel so loved. They're like, I have to go home. He will have me. He will forgive me. He will embrace me. Sermons are meant to woo you, to woo me back to our first love. And so Jesus wants to comfort us. And that's why his yoke is kindness. Because he wants us to know that he paid it all on the cross. We don't have to do anything. It is finished. The only work that we have to do is to rest in his finished work. Jesus, Christian Jesus, wants your heart to be comforted this morning. He paid it all for you. You just open up the empty hands of faith and you say, thank you. And then you just shut up, okay? That's it. You say, thank you. And then you shut up. That's all Jesus wants you to do. Say thank you and shut up. And then you remember to be kind, rewind. If you are ever to be kind to others, if we are ever to be kind to others, we have to rewind the tape back to the cross because it's his kindness to us at the cross that makes us want to be kind to other people. When we drink in the bottomless well of the kindness of Jesus, we will be empowered to put on kindness, as Paul says in Colossians 3.12. But maybe you're afraid that your kindness will be taken advantage of. Maybe you think if you're kind, then you'll be seen as weak. Well, that's where you're mistaken because... Kindness is not a synonym for being a doormat. Kindness doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It's not a synonym for that. A doormat that gets walked all over. Kindness is actually a doorway. It's a doorway to God's grace. And it's his kindness through us that can have a supernatural effect on people. You showing kindness especially to someone who has wronged you and doesn't deserve it at all. You showing them kindness is a doorway to Jesus and can actually have a supernatural transforming effect on people. So you're not a doormat, you're a doorway. When you show kindness to someone, especially when they don't deserve it, you're not a doormat being walked on. You're actually a doorway that opens them up to the heart of Jesus if they respond. Maybe you think that if you're kind, then you'll be seen as weak, like, Weak sauce. He's a weak person. He's a a pushover. Let me ask you then, have you ever been kind and merciful to someone who did not deserve it? If you have, then you know how hard it is to do that. Therefore, you know it takes a strong person to be kind. It takes a strong person to be merciful. It takes a strong person to forgive. A strong person to not give someone what they rightfully deserve. So far from being something weak people do, kindness is something strong people do. People with strong character shaped by the cross People with strong character, empowered by the gospel and the Holy Spirit, are the ones who are kind and strong and not weak. Yeah, you're not strong enough in your own power to do it, but you do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Kindness is not weakness because Jesus ain't weak. He is the most powerful person in the universe and the most kind. How's that for a combination? Most powerful most kind. 
Isn't that what you want in a savior? Don't you want a savior who is the most powerful person in the universe? And then don't you want that most powerful savior also to be the most kind person in the universe? Well, when you experience this Jesus, when you rehearse the gospel, when you rewind the tape all the way back to the cross, he empowers you to be kind. You see how that works? When you remember how kind Jesus has been to you, even though you don't deserve it at all, he then, the most powerful and most kind person in the universe, empowers you to be kind to people who don't deserve it at all. And so when you're tempted to dish out justice, because it just feels better, doesn't it? When you're tempted to dish out justice, don't take the bait. You know better. In fact, you are better. The gospel is bigger than that situation. Whatever hurts the most right now, whatever relational pain you're experiencing, don't weaponize it for anger and blame. Instead, steward it for, for compassion and kindness. Don't weaponize it for anger and blame. Steward the situation for compassion and kindness. Determined by the Spirit's power that you're going to be kind. Basically, ask the Holy Spirit to help you not be a jerk. That, or as Glenn Campbell said, try a little kindness. That should be all of our prayers this week. Holy Spirit, help me not to be a jerk. But what about if you're kind to someone, merciful to them, don't give them what they deserve? What if you don't see any results? What if you're kind and nothing happens? What if you're gentle and the person isn't woken up from their ensna- being ensnared by the devil? Is it a waste of time? No. Anytime we obey God's word, it is not a waste of time, regardless the outcome. So no act of kindness, no act of gentleness is small. Being merciful and not giving people what they deserve is never wasted, even if it is met with absolute ingratitude. Even if it doesn't phase them at all, it's not wasted. Nothing done in response to the gospel is insignificant. Let me say that again. Nothing done in response to the gospel, in response to God being kind to you in Christ, nothing done in response to all of that good news is insignificant. Nothing done in Jesus' name is ever wasted. Why? Because we are most like our Heavenly Father when we are merciful. It is never a waste to imitate our Father in heaven. So don't react to anger with more anger. And I know we all struggle with this. I struggle with this. So I'm, I'm really just preaching to myself this morning, okay? So if you guys could tune out, I'm just preaching to me, okay? You can eavesdrop if you want to. I'm okay with that. Don't react to anger with more anger or spite with more spite or sarcasm with more sarcasm or snippy comments with more snippy comments. Instead, show grace. Outkind other people. Outbless other people. Out-listen other people. Out-humble other people. Out-encourage other people. Out-repent other people. Out-gentle other people. Scripture is full of gentle passages. Like 1 Peter 3, 4, a gentle and quiet spirit is very precious in God's sight. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, Paul says, we were gentle among you. 
You know, Paul was gentle. People don't realize that. We have this image of Paul that he was just, you know, press, press on, get out of my way, barging through. He was gentle. When you read the passages about him in Scripture, he was a very gentle man. There's one historical document that said he was short, bald, bow-legged, had a unibrow, but they said he was kind and gentle like an angel. Is that how you picture the Apostle Paul? He was kind. He says here, we were gentle among you. You Thessalonians, we were like a mother caring for her nursing baby. We were so gentle with you. We just kind of held you like this. Proverbs 15.1, a harsh word ignites anger. A gentle answer diffuses wrath. Philippians 4.5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So, According to Philippians 4, 5, we can all risk being gentle and kind today because Jesus is near. And that means that the person you've been really angry at because of their rebellion, their poor choices, their stubborn heart, their pig-headedness, whatever it is that they did, Jesus says to you today, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Put on kindness. How do we obey Jesus and show kindness? Well, to be kind rewind. How do we do that? We can't rewind the tape to the hurtful incident or the hurtful words or the sin or whatever it is that someone did to us. We have to keep rewinding the tape until we get to the cross. Only then will we see our own sin, Christ dying for our sin. And only then will we be able to be merciful and kind to those we don't want to be merciful and kind to. Let me ask you, What would your life look like if you were a kind person? What would your family look like if you outkinded everyone? What would this church look like if we put on kindness? I think we might see revival. How is the Holy Spirit going to stay away from a place like that? It's like, man, those, those people are nice. They're kind. They're gentle. I want to be there. How do we get to there? How do we get to this place? Here's what we have to do. We have to learn from Jesus, who is the most kind person in the world. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11? Let me read it again. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. To learn from Jesus, to start being kind like Jesus, we absolutely have to be with him. We have to spend time with him. If we want to Be like Jesus, look like Jesus. We have to listen to Jesus. The only way to be like Jesus is to be with him, to spend time with him in prayer, in his word, fellowship with other believers, communion with him, friendship with him, enjoying Jesus as a friend. Being with and like Jesus, what more could we possibly want in this life or forever? What more does our heart cry out for than to be with Jesus? To be with and then become like Jesus. That's what we need. It's what our world needs today. So let's renew our love for Jesus today. It's it's so shocking every time I read it, but he calls us friends in John 15, 15. Jesus says, I'm telling you things because these things because you're my friends. Yeah, he was talking to the 12 disciples, but we're in that now too. Jesus says to you today, hey, you're my friend. Let's renew our friendship with Jesus today. 
Spend time with him in his word. Spend time with him in prayer and just talk to him. Let's remember the promise from Psalm 25, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. The friendship of Yahweh is for those who fear him. That, that word fear, yurah in Hebrew, is not being scared. It's being awestruck, flabbergasted, just in awe and wonder, just like, oh, I can't believe it. It's not a, oh, I'm so scared to death. It's this, oh, really? It's incredible. I can be friends with God? It's being awestruck of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. The friendship of, of the Lord is for people who are in awe of him and say, you would be kind to me when I've been such a rascal. I, I didn't rewind VHS tapes all the time and you're still kind to me. I sin all the time. I have my darling sins and my precious idols that I keep running back to and you're kind to me and you be in awe of that. And that's who the friendship of the Lord is for being in awe. Let's be friends with Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for how kind you are. This is not who I was told you were growing up in the church. I was told to mind my P's and Q's or you would strike me down. No one ever highlighted your gentleness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace. It was more of a, you can enjoy my forgiveness, but you better realize you don't deserve it. It was more of a wagging finger, frown on your face. And in your grace and in your kindness, you began to open my eyes to show me who you really were. You really are. You are the most powerful person in the world. You can change any situation, any heart, and yet you're also the most kind and the most gentle. It's what we want. It's what we need in a Savior. Thank you that in the incarnation, your kindness appeared. May we be in awe and want to put on kindness and show it to others, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.